Who's had a good day? Everyone had a good day? If you weren't here this morning, I'd encourage you to go online and listen to the word that God brought through Joe. This morning was powerful and uh, simple but powerful. How many know the, the powerful words are the simple ones? It's in the depth of the simplicity that Christ is formed and found. So often we're looking for the complicated, but it's not in that. It's in the simple. It's in just as he says it is. But it's the ability to hear as he says that is that changes us. And so often we go looking for things outside of Christ because we, we, just, we just do. Because it's too simple. We miss the simplicity. We miss what's right in front of us. And it's glaring us in the face and we miss it because it's just too simple. And tonight I'm going to hopefully simplify this topic called the armor of God to just this. It's Jesus. So if you've come to hear anything more than that, you're going to be uh, disappointed because all I'm going to do is talk about Jesus because Jesus is the armor. And so often we've painted it up as other things and we've told people it's something you physically put on and uh, we've got some some garments we're going to clothe a model in tonight called Luke Harris. He's going to be our model. And... um, but at the same time, I, I, I really hope you leave knowing that your armor is Jesus Christ. And you don't put him on, he comes upon you. And so when you hear that word put on, so often we think it's something literally physically like I put on my jacket. But when you go and have a look at that word, you don't put it on, it's put on you. The same word for put on is clothed in the power of the Spirit. So anyone that they put up the Spirit on, no, the Spirit came upon you. And it's exactly the same word that's used when we're looking at the armor of God. Hence, it's Christ. The whole thing's a spiritual dynamic, isn't it? So although we have a physical sword and a physical shield and a helmet and a belt and a chest uh, plate, this is, this is police order. This is actually Eddie's. And uh, this is his bulletproof vest or the, not the official one with the police name on it, but the unofficial one. And so just because you have that stuff on doesn't mean that you can walk in victory because the victory is within you, not outside of you. And so we're going to look at that. And we've complicated this thing so much because ultimately it's in the person. And it's when you know the person, you know the armor. And when you know the armor, you walk in the armor because the armor's in you. It never leaves you. It's with you 24-7. You actually don't put it on, put it off when you go to bed because he's in you. Isn't that cool? Isn't it cool to know that we are to be armored up, protected the whole time? Do you think that's how you'd live a life of victory out? You know, we sing these songs about freedom. Do you know how free he wants you to be? Have you grasped the magnitude of the life of freedom in Christ? And this is what he's building. He wants us to be so free, but it's not found in the pursuit of freedom. It's found in the pursuit of Christ. Everything you desire is found in the person. So I need to know the person more, don't I? I need to come into the depths of the mystery that's contained in the person. If I'm going to live out, in your freedom I will rise. In your freedom I will live. Not walk out the door, trip over by the first phone call that comes and something's happened. That doesn't walk into alignment to now I'm feeling good, now I'm not feeling good. 
because I've got something greater in me called joy, and joy is not happiness. Joy is a substance of Christ. Happiness is a feeling. Joy is not a feeling. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. And see, the more you have the armor of God in you, Christ, then you have the fruit of the Spirit in you. See how it's all interconnected. It's all interrelated. It's not these 10 things. They are one thing. It's called Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And we need to know Jesus, and we need to be dependent upon Jesus. That's why God simplified it down for us. He knows we're not good with complicated things, so he makes it real simple. Just get to know my son through the power of the Spirit, and you'll have everything you're looking for, and you'll walk out the life you were called to walk out. Cool? All right. Question for us, and it's an identity question. It's not quite related to the armor yet, but here's the question. When you wake up in the morning, do you wake up a son or a sinner? What's in your head Do you wake up a son and live your life as a son? Or do you wake up as a sinner and live your life as a sinner? Because this is going to impact what I'm going to talk about tonight and it'll impact every aspect of your life. Which one? What does your life truly demonstrate? Not what your mind tells you, but what does your life demonstrate? Sonship or sinnership? It's a powerful question, isn't it, to stop and think about, but it's a much more powerful reality to live out, that actually I get out of bed knowing who I've become. So if the one who knew no sin became sin, that I might become, I better know what I've been called to become. I've called to become the righteousness of God. I've been called to become so right in Him that I'm to live a life of righteousness out, to live a life of righteousness But I can't live that life out if I still think I'm a sinner. No, I'm just a sinner. I'm of no worth. Paul knew he was a sinner. He said, I am the sinner of great sin. He said, if you want to look at a sinner, look at me. But I know I'm something else. I know I'm really a son. I know I'm a sinner saved by and empowered by this thing called love and grace. And so I live my life out as a son. So when you look at his life, you see a son. Well, we are all sons, aren't we? So we are called to imitate him. We are called to be the demonstration of God upon this earth. And God gives us his son, armor, to live that life out. So there's much for us to become. Would you agree? Awesome. I love Sam's message. There's a few people talking about it, Sam, which is awesome. Set free to be made free, to become the people of the Scriptures. So we've been set free to become free, to be the people of the Scriptures, the church that the God speaks about. A royal priesthood. What's that? Royal priesthood. Wow. Royalty. Are you a son? Do you know your royalty? You know, the blood that was spilt for you is royal blood. There's power in the blood to raise you up, isn't it? By the Spirit, I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected King is resurrecting me. What to? A life of sonship, a life of freedom. Set free to be made free to be and become the people that God has called us to be. How many of you love the hard scriptures? 
You love the hard scriptures, Tony? They prune. They do. Do you know the making free is in the hard scriptures? The setting free is in the nice scriptures. The making free are in the hard scriptures. How much time do you spend meditating on the hard scriptures? Not too much. If you want to be made free, get into the hard scriptures. Get into the scriptures, like Joe said this morning, that pronounce a reality that you look at and you go, that's hard. Hard in your ability, not hard to him. Easy in him, hard to your flesh. You see, if we really want to be the made people, we need to entertain the entire and allow the entire gospel, the entire message of Jesus to impact us on the inside. Life starts on the inside through looking at the scriptures that our flesh wants to just skip over. Next, next, don't like that. Deny oneself, move on. Do you know there's life in those that aren't in the scriptures that we love? Have you come to love the hard scriptures? I love the whole book. The stuff that penetrates, the stuff that has you looking at yourself going, woo, why? Because I know I'm a son. You see, you can't look at the hard stuff and you still think you're a sinner because you still think you've got to work through your issues to come to your father. But when you know you're a son and your issues are dealt with, you're able to look at the hard scriptures and go, man, bring it on. You telling me this is who I've been called to be and become and live? Yes. Are you called, I can live like the Father lived, imitate the Father, imitator of God, not an emulator? Wasn't that another one of Sam's messages? An imitator of heaven. Has that rocked your world yet? That rocked your mind like, uh, what? Powerful, eh? So each chapter in this book of Ephesians builds upon itself. What chapter are we up to? Okay. What was chapter one about? (laughs) Such confidence. (laughs) Open up the book. (laughs) You said you were sons. (laughs) Chapter one. I'm going to see if you're eating it though. Are we eat? This is food, see? Have you eaten the food? Do you go back and eat the food? This is food. Here's the thing God said to me during the week, just as a side note. Once you've found the table and the chair with your name on it, you no longer have to seek. You just eat. You go, oh, I seek, I've got to seek. No, no. Once you've found the chair that has Greg Simnor, at the heavenly table in the spirit, you sit down and you wait for the food. And the food comes on a Monday. It's roast chicken, potato, carrots, bit of gravy, and a nice red wine. And you partake. Then in an hour, more food, and you partake, and you partake, and you partake. And the food just keeps coming. And because you have an unlimited capacity within you called the Spirit to partake, the food just keeps coming and coming, and you're always hungry but full, always at the same time. And you're no longer seeking the Father because you found your place at the Father's table, and you're partaking of the food. And it's a 24-7 process. 
And so it's not like we finished at the end of this chapter, the book of Ephesians, because it's food that goes over and over and over. And like I've said, until you can see what's here, you haven't partaken. Taste and see that the Lord is good. There is food in six chapters that will radically renew you and having you living out freedom. Like literally worry free. Who wants to be worried free? What do you worry about your life? What you're going to wear? What you look like? Who you're going to marry? Where you're going to be in a week? Where you're going to live? Why do you concern yourselves with those things? Because that's what the Gentiles do. I know you need the basic commodities of life, but why do you worry over them? Seek first me, your place at my table, and I will add the basic commodities of life to you. The things that you need to provide and protect. Do you know what's actually just before that scripture? You can't have the love of God and the love of money. What that is all about, it's a power struggle. It's actually not about this. It's about, and food, it's about the provision of those things. Because when you're spending your life trying to keep those things in order, you're not seeking first the kingdom, which means you're not able to live out a kingdom life. You've been set free to live the life, but you're not being made free. So it's very hard to live out the life of what you've been called to. Make sense? So what was chapter one about? Who can tell me? Yell it out. Chapter 1, predestined from the beginning, the blessings of redemption. Paul says in Ephesians 1 verse 18, I pray the eyes of your heart would be enlightened to four things. One, the knowledge of me. Two, the inheritance. Three, the power of God. So you would know these things that I'm speaking of, yes? So this is how it sets up. This is Ephesians 1. He's setting us up. He's describing this reality, the blessings of redemption. Jesus came to seek and save all that was lost, not just some people that needed saved from hell, everything that got lost when man fell out of glory. Jesus has come to reestablish everything. Cool, eh? So this is what Paul is saying. Okay, let's come over to chapter number 2. What's chapter 2 all about? Made alive in Christ. Woohoo! We're being amazed for what chapter one was all about because I was dead, had no idea, no concept of nothing. Get born again by the power of the Spirit. He's bringing me to be made alive in the Son. The fact that Jew and Gentile are now one and I'm part of the spiritual people group. No longer are there two but one. Man, now it's really starting to get exciting. Fellow citizens with the saints of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole body is being fitted together to be a holy temple in the Lord. Who does that sound like? What's her name? She's called the Bride of Christ being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Done by our flesh? No. Done by who? God. 
So we are being built. We've come out of one reality into another, understanding our inheritance, who we're called to be, allowing the Spirit to do this work. What's chapter 3 about? Paul's stewardship of the mystery that he's been given. Christ in us, the hope of glory. Let me tell you how this happens. Let me tell you about the power. It happened to me, so I'm on my knees praying for you all that you would come into the reality. So I write about it down here that you would go after it in the Spirit, have it revealed in the Spirit, and then start living your lives from the power of the Spirit. Man, it's awesome. So he's been given the ministry to reach Gentiles, Jew, kings, priests, to bring this message. He's been entrusted with this message called Christ in us. The, who is it all about again? <laughs> Let me simplify it, Jesus. I'll bring it down to one word, Jesus or two, Jesus Christ. What's chapter four about? Wow. Oneness in the spirit, not conformity, not writing up a goal on the wall and saying, okay, everyone, we're going to achieve this goal together and we're going to call that unity. No, oneness of knowing the person, Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, brings a oneness in spirit. Then he talks about these giftings. Who can tell me what the five giftings are? Right, here we go. Come on, encourage me, please. (laughs) Right, these five giftings. What happens if the five giftings are in place and the Holy Spirit is upon them? What's happening to the church? She's being built. What? Oneness of faith, the mature man. Oh, that sounds like the bride of Christ again. He repeats himself all the time through all his letters, saying the same thing with different words. It's phenomenal. Chapter 5 imitators of God. You get this down, this down, this down, this in place, you can start imitating God. All done through the power of the Spirit, though. Okay? There's a pattern unfolding. Each chapter is building upon itself. Each verse builds upon itself. We're leading to an outcome in God. Be an imitator of God and what else is chapter 5 known for? The greatest mystery known to the church between Christ and his church. The greatest mystery. Greater than Christ in you, the hope of glory. But it is connected to that mystery, isn't it? Can you see how they're interlinked? Because of Christ in you, it's being formed in you. That's the great mystery because Christ and the church and the bride is going to be, she will be like him. So she will look like him, sound like him, walk like him, hear like him, speak like him. When he comes down, when he returns, he wants to see himself in her. He wants to look at a spotless, blameless, glorious people. Ephesians. Chosen before the foundations of the earth. Ephesians. (laughs) Just testing you. And so here's this bride now. So now we hit chapter 6. Why do you think if you get the revelation of this, you better know Christ within you? What do you think is going to kick off if you start getting this understanding of who you've really been called to be? Instead of living for ourselves and living our own lives and sort of asking him to come and bless what we're doing, when you start to wake up 
to the real purpose of God, the will of God. He starts shaking you out of your little world and starts showing you his world. Do you think you better have your armor on? Because you're going to upset someone who's been really happy while you're playing over here in the playground. But as soon as you stop playing and put down your toys and start waking up to what you've really been called to, you start waking up other things. You start waking up another realm that's more than happy for you to just live your own life. That's been my experience anyway. When I got the revelation of the bride of Christ, I woke an adversary up who came knocking physical manifestations in a room, felt it, touched it, knew it. But I got the armor of God in me, Christ, so so what? It's nothing. Who has won the victory? Jesus. That we would walk out what? The victory. Because we're not victims. We're to be victorious. Yeah? So he died. We just sung about it. By your spirit I will rise from the ashes of defeat. The resurrected king is resurrecting me. What for? For a life now and a life in the future, to be able to demonstrate the manifold wisdom of God on the earth that a heavenly realm would take note of and to walk out the victory that has already been won, that we spend so much time fighting when it's already won. It's crazy. It really is crazy. Hence, we better know that we're sons because sons just get up and live as sons. They don't act like orphans act. They know, they sit, they have their place at the table, they partake of the food, so they have the life within them. So they just live out the authority, the power, the love, the joy, the peace, the righteousness that they've been called to. That's an invitation. And that's for you and me. So... Let me read you Ephesians 6. What we're going to do is, I'm going to read you 6, 10 to 17. I'm just going to talk about 10 and 11. And then over the weeks, everyone else will pull different aspects apart. And it's one of those scriptures that we could even go back to because some people have some things they want to say, even in verse 10 and 11, that I'm not going to say. So once again, it's not like, right, one, two, three, we get through this and move on. We could go here, go back, go forward, go sideways, back. And we'll just see where he takes us because this is massive. If you start getting the revelation of who you are, you will need Christ in you. Like you may not even know at the moment. The Bible says that if you're living a godly life, you will be persecuted. So there is persecution. It's part of following Jesus. Hence, he gives you the armor. When those that love you start saying things against you, you need the armor on to love them. Not get all humpty-dumpty and take out your sword and start what? Woof. He had one of those in the garden, didn't he? But he didn't know who he was. See, he was an orphan. Even though he's walking with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, he was still a slave. And he acted like a slave. Because when the pressure came on, he took the sword out and went woof. But he wasn't asked to do that. He was asked to stay awake and pray. 
See what the armor of God enables and empowers you to do the right thing, the righteous thing, when the one of righteousness asks not do the opposite thing because the flesh manifests itself because you haven't actually got Christ in you operating. It's still you in you operating. So you come out more than him, and that has to change, especially if we're really going to know who we've been called to be and the life we've been called to live because your flesh will have a laugh with you, never mind the adversary. So if you haven't overcome your flesh, what are the chances of you overcoming your adversary? If the lust of your own heart still cause you to be doing stuff, he doesn't have to do anything. James 1.13, if it's actually we are led astray by what? We are led into sin by the lusts that are inside of us. Our own lusts do that. So if we don't have that sorted out, you won't be under attack because you're well contained within yourself and your lust. So let's go have a look at Ephesians 6, 10, 17, and then I'm going to bring Luke up. In fact, Luke, you can come out now, mate. He's going to be our model for tonight. Do a bit of catwalking. <laughs> okay, the armor of God. I'll just hold on, mate. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you'll be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm, stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Okay, look, if you can put on the belt of truth first, please. This is not mine. (laughs) But it does belong to my wife. (laughs) Diamante Sparkles from the $2 shop. (laughs) That's that's tight enough, man. Do your loins feel girded? (laughs) All right, so the belt of truth, the breastplate... Of righteousness, the bulletproof vest. It's all right. All right. It's going to stop a lot. You've already got shoes on, so that's good. The feet of the gospel of peace. The shield of faith. Take up your Zulu shield. Alrighty, the helmet of salvation. Pretty substantial helmet. Give you, give you a shield, mate. Yep. All right, and we have the sword of the spirit. Now, 
You look amazing, brother. Like a Roman modern day soldier <laughs> with a touch of Zulu in you. <laughs> now, when God said, put on the full armor of God and stand firm against the schemes of the enemy, do you think of this what he meant? See, this is what we do, though. I don't know if you've been taught this. We've been taught, I, I, I've been taught stuff like, you know, you wake up in the morning and you go through this pattern. And you imagine it's all there and you put your helmet on and you put your things on and you get all ready. But the only problem with that is where does a thought come from? Outside or inside the head. So you've got your helmet of salvation on, but the thought comes from inside the head. Where do the issues of the heart lie? In the heart himself. So you can put all this stuff on externally, but it's not the issue of where the stuff comes from. It's internal. So you are armored for the day, walk out, a thought comes from inside and you fall over. And now you're worrying, you've got your full armor on, but you're worrying about, the, oh, how am I going to do this? Oh, what am I going to do this? Oh, how's this going to all figure out? I don't know how this is going to happen. Know happen. All of a sudden now the worrying is creating anxiousness. Oh my goodness, now, now, now I'm not at rest, now I'm not at peace. So even though I've got my gospel shoes of peace on, I'm not really at peace. Now I'm down on a spiral going downward, even though I've physically got all my stuff on. Because it's inside. Thanks, mate. Just leave it on or take it off, whichever one you have. <laughs> so come with me to Romans 13. Romans 13, verses 8. Thanks, Luke. You'll need all that when you get married, by the way, bud. <laughs> <laughs> Romans 13 verses 8 and you might say Greg what are you talking about love for first but hopefully it'll, it'll click in once we get there because if we have our armour being built on the inside of us Christ we're able to live out something it says owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. Anyone who loves his neighbor has fulfilled the law. The law of what, Greg? The law of love. For this you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you should not covet. And there is any other commandment, it is summed up in the saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Now, we know Jesus said, I'm taking 613 laws, 10 commandments, and I'm, blind, I'm, blinding, I'm, I'm interfusing all those two things into two things. Love me, love people. So the fulfillment of that commandment, that law, is to love one another like you love yourself. Do you know you can't love your neighbor as yourself if you don't love yourself? And I don't mean that in a selfish way, a fleshy way. I mean that in a sonship way. Do you love who you're becoming? Do you love the fact that he is changing you into someone who can live like him? See, if you're not in that, how can you ever love your neighbor as yourself? If you don't even love yourself, if you don't see the worth and the goodness that's in you, how can you ever love anyone else? You think you're worthless when you are valuable. And so here's this reality that 
he's saying that the church is to love like God. And if we do, we fulfill the law. Now look at verse 11. Do this, what? Love. Do this. Knowing that the time, that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. So have you got your armor on, Christ in you, that you're able to love knowing that the time is near? Do you find yourself with the capacity to be able to live and walk like Jesus yet? Are you maturing? You've been set free to be made free to love like him. Is that our reality? God, it's supposed to be. To some capacity, if we are truly growing, if we are truly being made free, because the armor of God is being established within us, we're able to fulfill the law of Christ. Not in our human love, in his love. Awaken from your sleep, for now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. Isn't it? Salvation of the whole, salvation of the return of Christ, it's closer now than what it was when you believed. So are we coming into the fullness of who we're called to be from the day we received Christ as our Lord and Savior? What's he making you into? Who are you becoming? Are you becoming like Christ? Because the armor of God, Christ, is being formed and established within us. So then when the lies come, when the thoughts come, nothing. Nothing. We're not led astray by a lie. Why? Because I do have the mind of Christ. So I recognize the lie from the truth. When a lie or my flesh starts to try and say something about me, I go, that's a lie. I'm a son. So as a son, I live out sonship. Has anyone tried to convince you of who you are, that you're not who you are? Jane, has anyone said you're not Jane Temmel? No. And if they did, what would you think? They're crazy because you know you're Jane Temmel. So if you know you're a son, wouldn't you just live as a son? We don't have to try and remember who we are when you know who you are. There's all these songs. Actually, I heard one from Mercy Me. We were talking about in the car. It's almost like, remind me who I am. What? Remind me who I am. Well, if you know who you are, you don't need reminded of who you are. And we write these as real wisdom and we buy into it and we sing it and it's actually not. It's a very weak position in Christ because it's to be no different to who you are naturally. You're to come into that spiritually. So no one tells you something, you go, oh, I've got to remind me of who. No, I know who I am in Christ. I'm maturing. I'm being made. I may not have when I started, but man, I've been in this thing now 20 years. So I've got 20 years of going from strength to strength to strength. He's building someone. There's a person that's becoming something in Christ within so the true armor, Christ within, just walks on a journey of becoming perfect. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying you don't have challenges. You're going to have all those things. So please hear me. But you're overcoming those things because Christ in you, the hope of glory, is greater than what's coming at you. Yeah? All right. Then he says this. 
This is verse 12. The night is almost gone and the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Which takes you back to James 1, 13, 14. That actually we fall over because it's the lust in us that lead us astray. Now his love is covering that, isn't it? But it's still happening. So we need to have Christ being formed in us, coming and doing a powerful work of healing that we don't trip unto that. And we have the armor of light. Who is the armor of light? Who is the light of the world? He is and we are to be. And we be it. We don't try to be it. We be it like we heard this morning. So if it's genuinely happening and working within you through the power of the Spirit, taking you from ashes to full maturity, the fullness of God that we heard about in Ephesians 3.20, this is what all this means. See, it's one thing to just read about it. It's one thing for actually to have what it means. And now we're held like, gee, these are hard scriptures. These are full scriptures. This is a full reality, yes? Put on the full armor of God. Isn't that what we just read in Ephesians 6? The full armor, the fullness of Christ. I'm going to raise you up to the full stature of Christ, my church. So we have to allow these things to grab us. The armor of light put on. Now that word put on means this in the sense of sinking into a garment to clothe oneself. The word put on is in the sense of sinking into a garment to clothe oneself. God clothes us or puts his armor on us. It's not us putting it on ourselves. It's the exact same word that is used in Luke twenty four forty nine which will come up, and behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Just like being clothed with power from on high isn't a physical act that you put on, neither is putting on the armor of God a physical act. This is all a work of the Spirit. So it's possible, and it's a work he does. What's the major truth that we're looking at in the morning? Christ and us, the hope of glory. For us to be able to walk out a life of victory. Correct? By your blood, testimony, not loving our own lives, we overcome who? And what's in the world? Our flesh and an adversary. So if we're entering into the fullness of what was bought at Calvary through Son, the one who knew no Son became sin, that we may become the righteousness of God, being clothed in Christ in the power of the Spirit, being graced upon us to live out a life that we were predestined to live out before we ever sinned. This is who we've been called to be. Not just some people 
safe from hell, waiting for the return of the Father to get out of here. That's not who we've been called to be. We've been called to be a holy, royal priesthood, a saint's. So we have to wrestle, don't we? We have to take our place at the table and find this place and then ask the Spirit of God to come. What he, there's two things he said to me. I was driving during the week and he said this. He said, how many people, Greg, you reckon are actually hearing what's being communicated? Really hearing it. And then he said this, and what are they prepared to do to go after what they're hearing? See, guys, this, this isn't something you can just tag on. This is something that will redirect your entire life. Like you have to look at your life tonight and go, wow, I need to reorder my priorities if I'm not spending enough time seeking, asking, and knocking. It's not something that I do five minutes in the morning. It's not something I do when I'm in the shower. It's not something I do on the way to work where I throw a quick prayer up there while I'm working. It's something that you are found in a lot of the time. It's like getting up at five in the morning when no one's around and having three hours waiting on the Lord. It's then at night. It's during the day. It's thinking, man, I'm going to consume myself in the Word. Whenever I'm in my car, I'm putting on messages. I'm not listening to the radio. I'm not listening. I'm listening to the Word. See, it almost requires an obsession. Paul was obsessed with God. He had zeal but he lacked knowledge. The Pharisees had zeal, but they lacked wisdom. But they had zeal. And zeal with wisdom together is powerful. But zeal without wisdom is dangerous. But do you have zeal? See, how hungry and how thirsty. This is what it asks of us. And so he looks. And this is something that's massive. So just come over to Galatians 2. We'll be up to 37 minutes. I'm going to read these reasonably quickly. And I just want to share, this is, this is the life within. So there's two scriptures that talk about a life within. This is Paul, Paul, Galatians 2, verses 20. I have been crucified with Christ. You've been crucified with Christ? I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live. Why? Because Christ lives in me. See, if you want to stop living for yourself, you need to have Christ bigger than you. Which means Christ needs to be formed in you, which is the next scripture. When Christ comes into you continuously through the seeking and the eating, you'll no longer live. See, people try to die to self. You don't try to die to self. You just get more of God. People say, this is really hard. It's not hard. It's easy. What's hard is actually not allowing yourself to do what he asks you to do. That's what's hard. It's easy. Christianity is easy when you surrender your life. It's hard when you're still trying to form life and find life and add him on. That's what makes it hard. It's easy once you've let go. Paul knows this reality because he had an encounter, an ongoing encounters with Jesus, where he says this, when Christ revealed the Son, when God revealed the Son in me, everything changed. And then he went on this journey to promote or to share with people Christ in us, the hope of glory, is the great mystery, is the mystery, not the great mystery, is the mystery. This is what I've been graced for, to share with the world Christ in. 
Not Christ surround, not Christ about, the indwelling presence of Christ in me, which enables me to be an imitator. So an imitator, like we heard, is not a copier. You have someone greater in you that enables you to live like him. It's not you trying to live like him. It's him in you coming out of you. Can you hear the difference? So you find yourself going, I don't know how I'm able to love another human with the love of God, but I am. Because it's the substance of Christ in your heart and your mind that's just coming out of you. So you're a branch and the fruit is just coming out of the branch. And the branch has a reference for it's not them. So there's no pride. You can't find pride and go, look at me, I've got the ability to love like God. Because you know in that moment it's not you, but it's coming through you. And so Christ in us, the hope of glory, is the primary message of Paul. Christ through us is the secondary message. But we've made Christ through us the primary and Christ in us the secondary. And so, so often when we're asked to be an imitator of God, we're trying to be emulators. We're running around trying to copy it all, but we don't have the substance of Christ in us. So we're found short. And who comes out but our flesh? So we get angry. We're jealous. The Bible says that love holds no account of wrong. Zero. And it ain't jealous. Why? Because it doesn't know jealousy because it's so full because it's God. Do you want that in you? This is what he's talking about when he talks about the armor of God being in you. So the enemy can come and throw all his darts and all his, and he can dance in front of you, he can look beautiful and all that, and you go, oh yeah, and keep walking. It's about as much time as it's given because you know who you are. You don't fight, it says resist, stand firm. There is no battle. He's trying to entice you into something. Can you hear what I'm saying? There is a battle, but there isn't a battle if you know who you are. It's going on, but it's all here. So this is a dark place, and we're living, and we're to be the light in the dark. So there's going to be a dark battle, but for us, we're the light of the world, just living like lights. And because we've got Christ in us, the impenetrable barrier, no dark can get in, no thought can get in. Why? Because I have the mind of Christ. Because I'm growing, I'm maturing. Now, this is a process. Yeah? I'm not saying you're, you, you make a decision one minute for Jesus and all of a sudden you're there. This is an ongoing journey like a child grows up and learns, come to me and learn so you're able to demonstrate because you've got Christ in you, which is the armor of God. And so as we go through each one of these, you know, the sword, let's break that out. Well, we're breaking that out on Sunday, Sunday mornings. The sword is the eternal word, the breastplate of righteousness, you know, the helmet of salvation, the mind of Christ. Talk to me about the things in the unseen realm. Hey, yeah, you got the mind of Christ, so let's talk to me about the things that no eye has seen, ear has heard, has not yet entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those that love him through the power of the Spirit. Go. You see, I think so often as the church, you know, we think those people out there are lost and we're somehow found. Instead of realizing that it's one continuous process of coming to know him. I don't look at it like me and them. I look at it like us. We're all people that he died for. 
It's just that my good mate Tim has not yet been reconciled to God. But I don't look and go, oh, it's a me and a you. Or it's an us and you're outside of something. Because then when you think, you think, I'm okay. Well, I'm found. Sucks to be you. You're lost. You go, well, actually, compared to Paul, how found are you? Have you found all that you were laid hold of for yet? Or are you still lost with all that? Being comfortable in the state of really sort of lukewarmness. Knowing you got your ticket, but not being able to live as you've been called to live. Being made free, which is so powerful. He goes on, he says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by what? Faith, the conviction of the things I'm seeing in the Son. See, everything's in the Son. Faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Man, the one who knew no sin became sin that I might become the righteousness of God. Paul knew this. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. What about Galatians 4? Just turn a page, 4, 19 and 20. The whole of Galatians is about people that came to Christ, then went back under certain Jewish ceremonial laws. And he's flabbergasted that they've gone back after being saved by grace. They're now coming back under circumcision. And they're trying to lead other people astray into this other gospel, another gospel. So he's talking. He says, my children with whom I am again in labor until Christ is what? Formed in you. He's in labor. He's constantly in labor for the church. He's given his life for you and I that Christ would be formed, be made complete within us. Colossians 1.29. This is why I've been given the power, he says, to strive according to the power that works within me to present the church complete in Christ, full in Christ, full in Christ, the armor of God. Full, 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 full. If you're full, there's no room at the inn. There's no room for a thought. There's no room to have a heart of bitterness. There's no room for unforgiveness. You're full. It comes, if it's been in you, it gets dealt with through Christ. So the light comes in, heals the darkness, seals it up, covers it over, guard your heart. Isn't that what it says? Have the Word of God covering your heart so when the offense comes, don't come short of the grace of God. For what? No root of bitterness can get in and you defile many because it pings off. There's no room for it, guys. Why? Because of the victory of Christ within me. Paul knows this reality, hence he preaches it, formed in you. Look at this. But I wish I could be present with you now and to change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. What are you doing? What are you doing? Come on. You've gone back under. You've been hoodwinked. Someone's come along and bewitched you. Come on, guys. It's now trying to get into this, and now let's get back to who we were before becoming. Have I given you my main point? I think you know the main point. Jesus Christ is the armor of God. Do you get that? (laughs) Second point. The armor of God is in me, not on me. Second point, the armor of God is in me, not on me. It's not something you wear, but the reality of Christ's life being built in us. So I just want to go back to that Ephesians. 
read you two other scriptures. You know, it says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Strong in the Lord. How do you get strong in God? What do you need to be first? Weak. Well done, Jay. Weak before you can be strong. So if you want to be strong, you've got to know what weakness means. You need to know what it means to lose your strength, your capacity, your ability to try. All that must be given up at the altar and gone, there you go, have it, I'm done. Now I'm ready. Holy Spirit, teach me. Show me how this happens, your ways. Do it in me now. I know it's through you, so can you do it? And I seek and I go after that reality. So be strong, receive the power, the grace of God. 2 Corinthians, let me just read this to you, 13, verse 4. For indeed he was crucified because of weakness. This is Jesus. Yet he lives because of the power of God. For we also are weak in him, Jesus, yet we live with him because of the power of God directed toward you. For indeed, he was crucified because of weakness. Yet he lives because of the power of God. For also we are weak in him, yet we live with him because of the power of God. The power of God creates a passion, purpose, priority. When the power of God comes into a person, things start to kick off. Our lives start to align. The things that you were trying to do, you realize, and the power then enables and propels you into life. Grace is the empowerment of what truth calls us to live out. Think about that. Are you trying to live truth out without grace? If you are, it's called legalism. Grace is the power of God to live out what truth is calling you to. It's impossible for you to love a neighbor like Christ loves you if you're not full of grace. Don't come short of the grace of God. It outworks itself in so many different ways. So grace is the empowerment to live out what we are called to live out. Otherwise, you can't do it. It's impossible, isn't it? You can't imitate God without the grace of God. So if you try, it's called legalism. You're being a legalist. You're taking the truth. You're trying to live it out through your own strength. When that doesn't happen, you get very frustrated, and you also self-righteously judge everyone else that's not doing it as well. You're not doing it, but you don't see that. You only see everyone else that's not doing it. And then you start pointing a self-righteous judgment finger. You sit in the seat of Moses, which was a judgment seat, and you start judging and lording it over everybody else because you've come short of the grace of God yourself. So don't come short. Seek God's power because it rose him from the grave. Paul said, I want to know the resurrected power that rose Jesus from the grave. Paul didn't just wake up and go, hey, I think I'll be Paul one day. He didn't go from Saul to Paul with a good idea. He was going the complete opposite way, wasn't he? So he gets arrested and apprehended by the armor of God. Jesus. He has a wake-up call, he gets revelation, and now he goes on a journey of becoming 
free, made free. So the man you write about here went through the process that every one of us has to go through. I think somehow we separate ourselves out from this guy and go, oh, he was lucky. Or I don't relate to him, but he's the guy that says, imitate me. So he's inviting us not into being apostles. He's invited us to be apostolic, but he's inviting us into his process. Look at my life. Look at my process. Look how I went from Saul, flesh, to Paul, spirit. Look how I went from being a, typology go with me, a son of the flesh, really an orphan, to a son of the spirit. What happened from there to there? Because it's your process too. You can't skip my process. I'm there as a type for you to see the process. So hence he writes, and he writes about this power. I'm just going to give you one more Colossians 1.11. Colossians 1.11. Strengthen with all power according to his glorious might. Strengthen with his power according to his glorious might. If we're going to stand firm and resist, we're going to need the armor Christ in us. Otherwise, we waste a whole lot of energy running around doing stuff that he's not calling us to do, and we trip over. The victory has been won by Christ, and if we know who we are in Christ, then we walk out a life of victory. We are not to be victims, but victorious in Christ. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captive free. You may come in a victim, fine. If you're a victim tonight, it's awesome, fine. But no, you're called to live a life of victory. He's calling. He overcame the grave. He overcame death. He's the one. We overcome the world by our faith in the person Jesus, not in our ability, but in the one that has saved us, the one that's redeeming us, the one that's reconciled us, the one that's building us. He's called the armor of God. He's called the armor of light. So let's get to know him. Because this whole Ephesians book is centered on a marriage covenant. And we're going to need to know him and have him in us if we're going to live out the life the bride's been called to live out. So our preparation of our garments, the righteous acts of the saints, is to be able to do the will of God. They are right acts in Christ. You can't just say, well, I come here and I praise and I love God and not live for God. Jesus came to do the will of his Father. He didn't just come to be, but out of being we will do. Okay, But we have to know, I love what Rodney said, there is so much doing in the being. So we go, oh, I just got to love God, love God. No, the true love in God will manifest into action. The wisdom of God is vindicated by her ability to live it out. So there must be a demonstration. There must be a church on the earth that's able to demonstrate the truth through the empowerment of grace. Grace is the empowerment for us to live out what truth calls us to. That is so good, what I just said then. (laughs) Write it down if you haven't. Meditate on it. Grace is the empowerment to live out what you are calling us to, God. 
You said, by now, I should have woken up and should be able to love my neighbor as myself, which is live out the law of Christ. If I can't, then I'm coming short of something that you're commanding me to do. His love is covering that, but his grace wants to empower you to be able to go, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. I can love like God. I, I'm, I'm growing. I'm being perfected in love. I'm walking in the manner in which he walked. When the person against me, I had joy. I've got a joy. When the phone call went and it was something, that's, I have a joy. I've got a peace in me that's guarding my, what is this? This is the reality for us. It's a life not of earth. It's a life of the kingdom, but on earth. It's a full life. And it's a powerful life. It's an offensive life, meaning it just goes forward. And in its ultimate format, it's an offense-less life. Love holds no account of wrong. Why? Because it's love. Not because it's trying, because it's love. Love is not jealous. Love is kind. Gentle, patient. People say, you know, all the time I hear this, I'm praying for patience. You need more love. Love is patient. Love is kind. Jesus is the breastplate of righteousness. Jesus is the belt of truth. Jesus is the helmet of salvation. Jesus is the sword of your shield. Jesus is, sorry, your shield. Jesus is the word of God. It's him, but it's him in you, being built in you through the power of the Holy Spirit, which as we heard this morning, we have to just surrender to and ask, seek and knock, and then wait. Those that wait upon the Lord renew their strength. Beautiful, eh? Maybe. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are changing our thinking that we can experience your life. You're changing the operating systems of our flesh and causing us to rethink and to reposition and to repent and to have our minds renewed through the power of your Spirit, God. So Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're working right now. You're working and, and through our minds thinking, God, you're revealing our hearts. You're showing us Uh, the true understanding of our hearts, Lord. And that's cool. And so, Father, I just pray we would take these things to you. And like we heard this morning, may it be done to you as your word says, not what we think. May it be done, Lord, as you say, that we may come into this incredible, overcoming, full life being formed in us, Christ in us, that enables and empowers us to live out what you are calling us to, your written and spoken word. And so, Lord, as we engage with your spirit right now through questions, I pray that you would guide us and teach us and lead us into this full measure of Jesus. Amen. If you do have any questions, feel free to email or come and chat. Um, But outside of that, get into your groups and do what we do.